Hello, I'm Tom Fraser, and this is a special edition of my podcast. Today, I am in Singapore speaking with Ch- Chong Kai-Fang. Kai is the managing director of Singapore's Economic Development Board. The Economic Development Board is the lead government agency responsible for growing Singapore's economy and enhancing the, the island country's position as a global business center. Kai thinks long and hard about where the global economy is heading and how to position Singapore for growth opportunities. It's my very distinct pleasure to be sitting here today with Chong Kai-Fong at the headquarters of the Economic Development Board in Singapore. Uh, Kai, let's start with a bit of an overview. Uh, Singapore's economy, it's doing, been doing pretty well recently. Uh, where is Singapore's economy today? What's the growth rate? And uh, what key sectors are driving the numbers and employment? Uh, maybe if I can start even, because you know, we are a young country, and if you look at our economy, uh, you can say it's quite a success story. We've grown from, essentially we've gone from third world to first in one generation, 50 years. Uh, real GDP has grown about 40 times, GDP per capita about 13 times. So today we are at a healthy, about $300 billion worth. Not quite the G20, but at least within the G, probably G40 or something. Uh, now, what sectors, what's the, but what is happening in Singapore's economy is that we're undergoing transition. I think in the early decades, in the first two or three decades of our growth, we were averaging about 12%, then 8%, 8%. But I think we've reached a certain mature phase of our development, and now we are averaging about 2 to 3%. At least that's what we are aiming for uh, in the next decade or, and further. And that would, and if you, if you just contrast how, the, how that's broken down, uh, Usually, you look at two parts. One part is labor force growth, and the other part is productivity growth. So in our early years, obviously, uh, we had a lot of productivity growth, but also a lot of labor force growth because people were coming to the workforce. We could bring those who are unemployed into employment. But as our population ages and as the economy matures, we are starting to uh, see a tailing off of the workforce. I think we are not quite Japan yet where the population is shrinking, but... Uh, we, we may get there in the next 20, 30 years. And so if you look at the breakdown of our economy, what we are hoping for in a good year, if it's 3%, it will be about 2% worth of productivity growth, 2 to 2.5% of productivity growth, and maybe about 0 to 1% labor force growth. And I think that's quite good. 2 to 3% is very decent for a developed economy. But that's going to be quite difficult because that requires us to undergo a complete uh, transformation of our economy, both in terms of our businesses, but also our workers. Uh, to provide just a bit more background, I wanted to talk about kind of the mature parts of the economy, sure. you know, on which uh, the, the more dynamic parts are built. Um, could you just tell us a bit about the established backbone sectors of the economy and, uh, you know, what, what uh, which of these, uh, what businesses make up uh, the mature part of the economy? Well, if you look at the structure of our economy, uh, we are diversified. So uh, I would say, number one, manufacturing. Right. That makes up a, a fifth of our economy. And some say it's our best-kept secret because we are such a small country. Uh, no, we are really, if you look at the length of the country, it's 40 km. You look at the, you go north to south, that's probably about 20-something km. So it's not a big country. But uh, we think manufacturing is a really important part. And so under manufacturing, which is 20%, uh, 
we have key sectors like electronics. We have a sizable energy and chemicals hub. We have a biomedical hub, um, biomedical sciences hub, and a smattering of different. Uh, we have a good transport engineering sector. So, for example, uh, aerospace as well as uh, in marine. Just some numbers for you to get get a sense, right? So today, six out of ten drugs uh, in the world are manufactured in Singapore. So that's not bad. Uh, one in ten integrated circuit chips in the world are actually manufactured. Uh, they're wafer fabricated, assembled, they are tested in Singapore. And I think we are responsible for about 10% of the global, global uh, MRO space. As well as, I would say, uh, if you look at high-tech goods, for example, we are about the fourth largest exporter of high-tech goods behind US, China, and Germany. So it is our best-kept secret, and we hope to keep it there. It's not going to be easy. Uh, because if you look at most countries, including the US and the UK, you see manufacturing share of the GDP going down. Yeah. And so it's a struggle to keep it there, and we've got to keep it there. That's just manufacturing. But we have other sectors that are thriving. I think one of them is really uh, as a function of our uh, of technology. We have an infocoms and media hub that's doing quite well. Uh, we have a financial sector that's obviously uh, Singapore is well known for. And we have a sizable professional services sector that uh, provides professional services to a lot of uh, corporate HQs here. Uh, we have also wholesale trade, which really is a whole uh, amalgam of different activities, whether it's uh, commodities trading, whether it's companies moving physical goods. So th- those, those are, in essence, I think, the, the different parts of our economy. Yeah, the, um, I, I think the economy is much more diverse than a lot of people might uh, realize, uh, so that's fascinating. Um, I mean, I'll add a few more to your, to your list, uh, shipping, uh, logistics, yeah. uh, tourism as well. Um, and I, I wonder if you could talk for a minute, you know, for the established parts of the economy, uh, how does uh, Singapore, you know, work with these companies to grow? And m- maybe you could t- talk about an example or two. Sure. Well, perhaps just to begin, it's useful to have uh, some context on how, how we got here. Because mm-hmm. actually, if you ask us 50 years ago, there was absolutely nothing, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Well, and I thought it's useful too. And I think when we first started, we said, you know, what, what's the best way to grow Singapore? Because the urgent need was jobs. Right. Everyone's unemployed, no education whatsoever. And one of the things which I think our founding leaders did very well was to say, let's not go down the orthodoxy of that time, which was import substitution. But instead, let's go out and get investments into Singapore. It doesn't matter if they are owned by foreigners, but they come here, they create jobs, they transfer technology. And so we did that with a variety of sectors, which is what, you know, so some of the pioneer companies we did that were Shell, for example. And so they set up a refinery here. And from that, they started growing their activities here. Same thing with electronics. Uh, we started with hard disk uh, assembly. That sort of moved on to more sophisticated activities. And today we've managed to even do wafer fabrication. So, so first we attracted foreign direct investments in. Then we looked at clusters because we knew that you know, once you have uh, one activity here, actually you have adjacent activities you could attract. Then now we are at a stage where we think, how can we help companies to transform, to expand their operations? Uh, I can give you some examples. So one of them is really, if you look at, look at the evolution of our uh, petrochemical sector, so we started with ref- refineries. Uh, then we moved down to petrochemicals, so we have 
uh, crackers here. And then we said, within the petrochemical space, let's look at uh, specialty chemicals. So we now have a good industry of specialty chemicals. I'll give you one, one example. Uh, so I just went for the opening of uh, Chevron Oronites. Chevron Oronites is a lubricant player, manufacturer. Uh, they just opened a carboxylate plant here. And the way we did it was to work with them to say, okay, what else can you do here? Right? So uh, we worked with them to support their uh, expansion plans. And then they said, okay, I want to build the best-in-class plant here. How can I do that? So let's work together. We, we work with them with certain with different technology providers. And uh, we introduce them to our network of uh, different partners and different services, whether it's engineering services, whether it's in uh, construction. And uh, they built, I think they achieved what they set out to do, which was to build it on time, uh, below budget, and best in class. So this is really what we call the most advanced facility that they have in the world. Uh, they have mobile tracking devices for people there. They have, they, instead of using uh, you know, visual inspections, they use drones to check the tank levels. Uh, they have, and they're doing a lot more. And in so doing, uh, it's a win-win for both of us because we create more jobs for our people. But at the same time, they doubled their global production capability. So that's the kind of thing that we are doing with companies, company by company, industry by industry. Yeah, so I just want to kind of pull out uh, the EDB's role in attracting these companies. I mean, I know you are aggressive and kind of reaching yeah. out to other parts of the world. And then the, the EDB is also, I think, very sophisticated about kind of understanding what kinds of services, how, in, how industry verticals work, uh, where... Uh, new companies would fit within these very complex business echo structures and yeah. can kind of pull the pull the pieces together. Is that yeah. kind of a good way to summarize that? Yep. So we have quite a rigorous process in determining who we want to target. Every we, we look at industry through clusters. So if we say we want a cluster of petrochemicals, right, what are the enabling ecosystem, what enabling uh, companies and structures that we need? or what are the, some of the key companies we want to attract. So, for example, if we really believe that we, want, uh, we can play in the advanced manufacturing space and help factories and facilities here have the best technology, then we need system integrators. We need uh, tech. We need startups here as well. So that's the whole ecosystem. Let me give you an example of the electronics industry where we, where we take that view, right? And, you know, we know many... Uh, Many countries want to do AI, right? Everyone says digital is key, the next wave. But the way we look at it is, how, how do we see uh, integration along the whole value chain? So one, we have research and de development. So we dedicate about, we have just committed $19 billion worth of research funds for the next five years into, into just looking at uh, not just basic research, but also translational research. How do we actually commercialize some of the research into uh, into business. Uh, then we have the hardware manufacturers. So we have wafer fab fabrication plants here. We have people that do uh, integrated circuits. Then we have people who, who write software mm -hmm. and who do application. So if you have the entire value chain, I think you start to create, uh, you start to thicken that innovation capacity and you start to create new businesses. Mm -hmm. And so that's our thinking in terms of reviewing the whole structure. 
Uh, this is the conclusion of the first segment of my interview with uh, Chiang Kai-fang. Uh, to learn more, please go to the second segment of my interview.